Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack, he is Frank. We are going to be talking about some Bears football, kind of, sort of, maybe, a little bit. I don't know. Uh, the yeah. Bears need, possibly need a running back or two uh, in the draft. Well, probably not two. Probably just the one. If they even need the one. But we're going to talk about them anyways. Uh, we're going to, Frank and I are going to rank our top five running back prospects following up uh, last week's uh, quarterback episode. Uh, next week, ideally, we're going to group the wide receivers and tight ends together. Uh, just make a big pass catching thing because uh, what Frank will probably be able to rank three tight ends, maybe at least one, two. two, absolutely at least 50, two. Yeah, at least two, at least two. Uh, but the wide receivers are definitely where Frank and I feel we're probably pretty good in terms of scouting them. Uh, but the running backs, we'll have to see. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a different. A little bit different of a project, but uh, Frank, there was some uh, some some conversation that we've been putting off for two months now because things just kept popping up. Uh, you know, the trading uh, of the number one pick, the signing of free agency, all that good stuff, um, and we kind of just sort of kept pushing back the Will Anderson versus Jalen Carter debate because we just kind of kept running. We just, things popped up. Now we don't have to talk about Will Anderson uh, unless Ryan Poles gets super ballsy and trades up to number three, which I don't think you or I foresee happening in this lifetime. Um, I think it's safe to talk about Jalen Carter at the very least because uh, there's a lot of questions, and I'm sure a lot of Bears fans have questions about it as well. Um, so, Frank, let's let's just let's just start right there. In terms of Let's save the, the player for a second, but let's talk about position. Uh, because obviously in this specific scheme, the interior line is super important. The three technique is yep. one of the most important positions in the entire defense. Uh, obviously, Jalen Carter fits the bill of that position. He was thought to be a potential number one overall pick when the Bears still had the number one overall pick. Uh, and then some of the character concerns came out. Like I said, we'll, we'll get to the player in a second. The Bears tried desperately to sign a right tackle at the start of free agency. Mike McGlinchey, they were in, you know, in talks uh, in regards to some other guys as well. Didn't end up happening. Now right tackle seems like still a pretty big hole. It, at nine, if you're Ryan Poles, put your little Ryan Poles hat on. I don't know if he wears a hat or glass. He doesn't really. He's just kind of there. Um, trench coat. I'll get my trench. Trench coat. There you go with the popped collar. Yep. Make sure that collar is, is very popped. Um, what are you doing at nine? What are you doing at nine? Um, I'm going. I'm going offensive tackle, Jack. Um, we've already seen, and then that can be left or right. Uh, Paris Johnson sounds like he's being scouted to play either, depending on which scout you ask, which team you ask, or who decides to sort of speak on it. Seeing some clips of uh, Larry Borum in a right tackle stance, unless it was recorded through a mirror. Um, Point blank, though, Jack, the only way that I, I don't go offensive line there is if I feel like Najiba can make this offense or, or can have the impact on this offense that Jamar Chase had with the Bengals when it was very clear that everyone wanted them to go uh, Panay Sewell and they were like, nope, we're getting the we're getting the guy. We're getting our guy. Um, but regardless, it, it has to be offense for me. Um, I know very early on, if we said if we if if the Bears stay at number one, 
because pe people don't want to trade up or for whatever. We're going Will Anderson. But that's because I do think he's he's one of the, I don't know, handful, if you're counting quarterbacks as well, of people who can like really change the landscape. Jalen Carter was one of those guys as well of your team. that They're generational. Once you get beyond that, I don't know. Like left tackles can't, I mean, they're super important. I don't know if you'd you know, label anything generational, but um, the trenches still matter, right? And um, I guess I said all that to say, we can't, even if, I know we're going to get to more specific Jalen Carter, even if he's there, I'm so ready for this franchise to just get away from everything as defense. Um, even though it sounded like we were leaning defense early. I, I like, we are... I feel like on the fucking cusp of being a modern NFL franchise that if we can just continue to build this offense up, even if that means the edges that we draft or, or, or the nose tackles that we draft in the third, fourth, fifth round, don't make the impact that is needed for a really good defense, a really good Matt Eberflus defense. If we kick that can down the road, I am okay with that. I, I need them to build the offense first. I like when you're looking down the, the you know, the, you're, you're looking at the landscape of things in the next few years. Even the contracts that Ryan Poles paid out, you know, you have an out after two years with everyone he signed. That all is pointing towards that's when we're going to have to re-sign Justin Fields. And I told you we were texting about this. I don't want the Bears to be in the position that the Giants were in, where some of it could just be Daniel Jones, right? Like, I, I don't personally think he's that good of a talent itself. But they also didn't support him very well. So what happens is they get a coach who coaches him up to have this the best year of his career. But you're still like, ah, is he really the franchise guy? But because you don't, we're like, where do we go from here? We we made the playoffs. We have no idea, you know, if moving on from him from with a mid round first or just whatever, you know, who knows what the, the you know the the Colts have figured out the hard way the the veteran market what that can be. Um, we're just gonna have to go ahead and pay him premium money anyway. Knowing that Justin has the talent that even if you don't support him now, you're going to be like, man, we probably got to pay this guy. Let's continue to support him. Let's continue to build around him. So when that time comes, we got to pay him 40 mil a year. We're at least like, yeah, he's undoubtedly the dude. Or on the flip side, and this is something we've talked about all the time. If he just winds up absolutely flopping, you leave no doubt. If he just regresses and turns out to be not very good. Okay, well, we gave you DJ Moore. We gave you Paris Johnson or, or Peter Skaronsky. We gave you these guys. You had real weapons. And it just didn't work. We got to move on from you. Sorry. Um, so I, I would be long-winded way of, of saying, Jack, I would be all in on one of the tackles. And the only way is if I'm feeling a little zesty that day off of a, like a Tito's or something, and I, I'm taking to Jiba. But yeah, there's just, a, you can't, at this point, you cannot change my mind from, not you, just the general you. Like my mind can't be changed. Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the free agency kind of dictated what they're going to do. And again, it kind of goes back to why you and I both really like that Ryan Poles made the trade when he did, um, because it really let them focus, hone in on what they could sign, what they should sign. Because, um, you know, if they if they get Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, right, the offensive line, you know, Nate Jones at, at guard, they're looking pretty solid. Maybe you draft a center in the second round. Um, you know, or left guard or whatever you want to do them in the interior uh, in, in the second round, then you have a little more freedom to work with that first overall or that first pick in the, at, at number nine overall. Uh, you can go, like you said, Smith and Ajiba, um, who has familiarity with Justin Fields, or you could go 
uh, Jalen Carter or someone else on the defensive line. I think right now, based off of the way they attacked free agency in terms of right tackle specifically, I think that's their number one priority. I would be absolutely shocked at this point if they don't go tackle. That's even without the character concerns for Jalen Carter that I think we really do got to talk about. Um, Ryan Poles was asked uh, at the owners meeting on Monday of this previous week um, if he feels like they're, the Bears are in a position to draft a player with character and maturity concerns. And he basically said, we're at a better place to draft a player with character concerns. I think taking the time here to get to know the guys in the locker room and understanding the maturity level there. But at the same time, we also want to be careful because we're still young and impressionable. So I think that making sure that we continue to bring a good core group is important. Maybe down the road, you want to take a risk like that. I think the locker room begins to run itself so you can take some chances. But right now we need both. We need talent, but at the same time, I'm going to be a little cautious of bringing in the wrong type of person. I, I, think, that, I think right there, right then and there, that tells you exactly how, what they're going to be doing at the number nine spot. I, I, I would be shocked, Frank, if they don't go with one of the tackles. Now, maybe maybe the draft dictates what they do, right? We, we can say, oh, you know, we we think they could go with Paris Johnson or Peter Skaronsky, and we'd be, you, you and I would be happy with either. However, as we kind of figured out during free agency, it, it really is going to come down to scheme fit. And you and I, we're not experts on the offensive line like Ryan Poles is. He knows what he's looking for. If he deems that Peter Skaronsky isn't going to be the right fit for them at right tackle and Paris Johnson is already off the board and Jalen Carter is just kind of sitting there, maybe that's the direction they go. It, it's very possible that that happens. Does the character concern for you? Does, did, are you concerned by that? Some of the character issues, some of the, the you know, the, the pro day where he's just fucking gassed and winded and kind of looking a little chubby. We, you know, we had heard that he was out of shape. He, he admitted he was out of shape in the semi-championship round um, before coming into the championship game, like, ready to go. Where are you at with Jalen Carter in terms of maybe the person as opposed to the player? Yeah, um, that's the, the, the good question. Before I get to that, I will say the other scenario in which people are starting to account for is that now that we understand that scheme fit matters very much on that offensive line, and if Jalen Carter is still there, Ryan Poles may trade back again because there are guys that may be there in the mid-teens that have been mocked to the Bears. And again, I'm no offensive line guru, but the more that people in scouts are like breaking these guys down there doesn't seem to be as much separation between Paris Johnson, Peter Scramanzi, and some of these other guys. Um, so that's also a possibility. Uh, but yeah, I, the to be honest with you, Jack, the biggest concern that I have with Jalen Carter is the pro day stuff. And it's so funny because I thought, like, how ironic is it that for quarterbacks, I don't give a damn about your pro day. Like, for me, tape and sort of, you know, leadership qualities, that type of thing. I, arm talent matters to a, a very large degree, but I don't think you get you get that off of the tape. You don't get that when you're in shorts and a t-shirt and you're, you know, throwing 60-yard bombs to non-covered receivers. Um, but with other prospects, it's like, it's one of those things where you're not really going to get like an extra, you know, nudge from me of like, man, if Jalen just looked like a beast, like I know that, I saw his tape already. 
but you can get negative marks if you do what what happened with him where it's like you're out of shape you are it's like you're midway through some drills and you just look gassed it's you know um because that to me it's not about the shape that you're in people can get out of shape in the off season right like you have every other year in the future to do that for hopefully you don't hopefully you just work out all year round like a, a lot of elite elite athletes do but some people don't some people use training camps and legitimately get back in shape and that's okay it's made a career out of that but this is the only time that you get to show off before i mean this is like a who i forgot who, who worded it this way but i really like the comparison this is an open book test like you have the answer just come in remain in shape show why you're one of the elite of the elite and then be lazy after that. And if you want to use training camp to get back in shape, like do your thing. But this is just the one day, like to me, some of this can be assumption. Don't get it twisted. I'm not like acting like I know what's going on, but I'm just thinking of like, I'm almost equating it to um, almost the real workforce. Like there's sort of red flags where I'm like, mm, you're a little immature for this job. I don't think this one's for you in like interviews and things. That to me is a sign of immaturity. That's a me of you. Yeah. That's a sign of you not taking this as serious as I need you to. And this is Ryan Pohl's hat still on, because if you're not taking this serious, what are you going to take serious? And and that may change over time. Some people are j just are immature, but you sort of think about like that to me is also could play into like your competitive nature. Like, are you not or or, or even like your cockiness? You think like you've got this far and you like that's it. That's all. Your hard the work is done. Like you just think. Your name precedes you. You know what I mean? Like, again, assumptions. I don't know what I would think if I was actually Ryan Poles, but those are the things that cross my mind. Like, almost like the the arrogance that comes with it, the cockiness that comes with it. Like, I want my players to be arrogant to a degree and cocky to a degree, but not like that. When I think of, right. like, arrogance and cockiness, that's good. I think of, like, Floyd Mayweather, Sauce Gardner, who's, like, talking and putting on, hey, you, you, you earned that. When you played that well, you earned that arrogance. You don't have the arrogance just coming in. You get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying, right. like, shut up and just play football. Absolutely not. I love me a trash talker. I love me a guy who can get you amped. But this isn't the time for that right now. You're still a college prospect. You have to sort of earn that right to, you know, to that cockiness. So I I think Poles said it correctly. I'm actually, I hate that he said that, you know, said that because that was sort of my take going into it. It's like, I don't think this team is even ready to take on someone who may have a character issue like that. Um they're clearly building something. Char character matters. That was the first thing they talked about when they introduced DJ Moore. They didn't talk about he's a phenomenal receiver. That that came along with it. But they were like, this guy's a locker room presence. This guy's been in the league for a long time. He's awesome in the locker room. He's going to be great for our football team. I don't know if Jalen Carter is that. And, I, and again, I just don't think we have... The, the, the biggest thing with Poles' quote, he's right. People sort of overrate, I think, like how much a coach actually like leads a team you think about the way lovey smith did it he did it with the, by almost having like five-star generals leading the charge in in lance briggs brian urlacher peanut tillman tommy harris for a couple of, these are the dudes who are on the front lines like having that leadership like that middle management if you will and like a structure and like lovey was sort of the guy like making the chess moves with that we don't have that who who was that person on this team e even like Later than that, like Kyle Long was almost one of those like ambassador type of guys who was like, you're coming in this locker room. This is how we roll. The Bears don't have that right now. And without that, you know, uh, again, like a coach can only do so much doing that with millionaires. It's going to be a locker. It's going to be a, a a culture that's set within the players themselves. So I don't touch I don't touch Jalen Carter with a 10 foot pole at this point. 
Yeah, I think I think honestly, if they put uh, if they, if this was a year from now, I'd probably say they probably could because uh, I do think they have they've signed some leaders, Tremaine Edmonds being one, um, T.J. Edwards obviously as well uh, to really step up and be the leaders in that locker room. But it's such a new group; they haven't played a game yet together. So you're right; there's not a lot of veteran leadership. There's not someone who can kind of stick with him and and show him the ropes essentially of how to be. Not that there there aren't anyone who could do that, but I think this is a different case. And, you know, one of the things I've seen people defending Jalen Carter for is, well, you know, mentally he probably wasn't in the right headspace that, that day. Well, the reason for that is because he made a really dumb decision and was involved in something that got somebody killed. That That's not an excuse that's to, to me. That, that just shows right. e- even more so a lack of... of responsibility accountability um I, I i agree with you at this point i would i would go offensive line or, or just continue to trade back i, I don't well, there think were jalen carter is is really worth the hassle at this point and there were two my there were two things though right there was the drag racing incident which i'm still a little confused about he at first the initial report was that he was the one driving the car but then it turns out he was not he was in the passenger seat but he did flee right. the scene because he was scared which to me fleeing the scene in that type of situation that's like human nature that's like fight flight or freeze you panic i'm not taking anything with that the, obviously the, the outcome of that situation is awful but he did speak with authorities and I don't know if someone got charged, but he did not. So he was in the clear there. But then there was also a, a DUI. Was was there not? But like a cop let him go. Like he he did blow and he, he blew the, um, what is the, the meter? The breathalyzer. And, um, but they let him go because they were like, we don't want you to get in trouble. I mean, so it's going to happen when you're in Georgia playing football for the Bulldogs. For the Bulldogs, yeah. Frankie. That's like that is very he, he true. just doesn't seem like a guy who makes very good decisions, um, at least at this time. And, uh, you know, maybe he matures into that down the road. But you're right. I don't think the Bears are in a position where they should. They don't have, they're not a they're not a three technique away from winning the Super Bowl. There's still so many fucking holes on this team. Yep. And Ryan Poles clearly believes in bringing in. Quality people, team first. Athletes, and I think. Kind of see that with the trade of Roquan Smith, which is popping up again, because your your favorite uh, your favorite podcast, not naming any names, had uh, they were talking to Samurai Mike, and uh, he said that he the the trade for Roquan really bothered him, which I know that you know that really matters. His opinion, Mike Singletary's opinion, really matters to you, Frank. Well, um, Mike Singletary pulled down his <laughs> pants. <laughs> In front of a, in front of grown men, when he was the uh, the head coach of the 49ers. The, the, he, I love him for who he is, but he's a little bit of a, he's a little bit of a weird guy. And clearly, you know, talent evaluation was never really his thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the, the road quite, I, like can we just get past that as as, as a city? Because again, like the only thing that I the, the regret that I have in that situation is that they didn't try him at the mic. I would have loved to see if he can play the mic because he's an interior guy. And, and but I, the more I'm thinking about, you know, and, and hearing other people's thoughts on it, like, I don't even know if that fits because Tremaine Edmonds is 6'5". I mean, he, 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 he's built like Brian Urlacher. He, he's built for the cover, that cover two type of zone thing. And I don't know if Roquan was ever that. So in terms of like prototype, body type type of thing, I probably never even looked at him in, in that mold. 
and he just clearly didn't fit the cover two defense. Like he just did not look good. He went, he immediately went right back to a, a, a three four, and he looked great again. That's just that's who he was drafted to be, and I I think that's you know that's his fit. Um, but yeah, I I just want Chicago to get over get over that. But I I, I think that does add to your point though. He he people for whatever reason just maybe weren't paying attention because the Bears hadn't been very good. He had some off the field stuff with the Bears that were very strange. He missed the game, and we still don't know why he missed that game. And by all accounts, true. people who have any sort of inkling of being in the know have literally said it's because he just didn't feel like playing that week. And if that's the case, that's absurd. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we'll be okay without uh, without Samurai without uh, Roquan Smith, and I, I know we'll be okay with Samurai Mike sharing his uh, his thoughts on on Bears. They, he wanted. I remember he wanted to be the Bears head coach, and they said no. No, thank you. We're really we're good. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, yeah. So you know, I, I I think it's good conversation. Um, you know, I think obviously if the Bears were still in the number one slot right now, you and I would both be taking Will Anderson over Jalen Carter, regardless. Um, now obviously that's not the conversation. The conversation then shifts to okay, now we're in the nine spot. What do we want to do as the Chicago Bears? And I, I think you and I both agree that offensive line is the way to go. Um, Frank, outside of that, there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement in terms of the the Bears. Um, they haven't added. I don't think they've added like any pieces since the last uh, since the last podcast. I have seen some rumors floating around that they may be interested in uh, possibly trading for the Washington Commanders Montez Sweat. Um, and that might be in because the commanders may need to clear some cap space because they may be trying to go get Lamar Jackson, who uh, very vocal about what's been going on behind the scenes there. Yeah. A very interesting situation. Frank, I, I, I can't remember where you landed. Uh, I think the last time we talked about Lamar Jackson, you had agreed with me that he's probably done in, in Baltimore. Right? Are you are you still there? You feel like that's um, yeah. kind of the case. I I am there, and I there's there's going to be a team that goes all in on him. If if there was a team that went all in on Deshaun Watson, and there was multiple, because if I'm remembering right, this sort of started off in the same trajectory. Ah, we're not super interested. That's not what we want to bet. All of a sudden, here's 250 million dollars guaranteed from the Cleveland Browns, and not for nothing. I know people make fun of the Browns for doing that. Rightfully so, do your thing. But they did that to, to to supersede what New Orleans was offering and what um there was another team in Atlanta? In, in, Wasn't it Atlanta? It maybe was Atlanta. I'm I'm not remembering now, but point being, they did that as the last, like, okay, we need this guy. This is what we're gonna do. Like they didn't just do that just to do it. And again, make fun of the decision, guaranteed for the nasty man. I I I understand that, but the point I'm making is they did that because there was a ton of interest by other teams and there was a bidding war here. And it's like, if they did that for him, there's going to be a couple of teams that are bidding against themselves, are bidding against each other for Lamar. Yeah. I know Atlanta says they're, they're all in on Desmond Ritter. I know Indy says they're done with, with vets, but this is a difference. He's not like an old guy that you're just retreading. This is a guy who's still in the prime of his career. I think I think the closer we get to the draft, the more likely a trade will happen because you'll really start to get how teams feel about certain quarterbacks. If the if the Colts feel genuinely feel like 
Will Levis or Anthony Richardson will be there at four and they genuinely believe that they have superstar qualities, then yeah, they probably won't make the move. But if they think, you know, uh, 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 Levis is like a B plus candidate and they think a a B plus quarterback, I should say, and they think Lamar Jackson can put them back right back into title contention. They've got a lot of money tied up in the offensive line defensive line like their team wasn't very good last year but you're hoping that the coaching staff can kind of bring things out of certain guys they can fix up the offensive line maybe they still think they're a quarterback away uh, I, I just can't foresee uh, you know you got John Harbaugh out here talking about how oh, we love Lamar we love him and like I get it like what else is is John Harbaugh really going to be able to say but like talk is cheap and Lamar clearly believes the same if they truly loved him they would have paid him because Lamar is one of those guys that you pay. Granted, I'm not saying this for other teams. I'm saying your homegrown team, you've right, done things right. specifically for him. He won an MVP. Like if he's a guy that you pay, nobody's going to be like, Oh my, like why would they pay them him that money? That makes sense. You yeah. know, like I've talked about my feelings towards paying Lamar Jackson, but if, if from the Ravens perspective, I, I, I guess they're they're sort of starting to fall into the territory of what's the plan? What's the plan here? Because if they do lose Lamar Jackson, that roster kind of sucks, man. Like, I know that Snoop is a fucking Pro Bowl quarterback, which is just wild. But you know what? Mitch Trubisky is also a Pro Bowl quarterback. So there you go. I, I just don't quite get what the Ravens are trying to do, especially they just paid – the guy we were just talking about, Roquan Smith, has paid him $100 million. Yeah. So they're, they're not blowing it up. Again, what I, the, What's the plan, you know? I don't know what the plan is, but I think th- they have unique leverage in this situation because, just like you said, they they just they, they made Huntley a, a Pro Bowl quarterback. And again, I, even though I think Lamar has superseded what he was when they had to do this, but they shifted their whole offense to cater to him. I think they're they're feeling themselves a little bit and think you can give up. We can get like a Geno Smith guy, what happened in Seattle, and make it work. Which to me is just, it's kind of, it's not silly, the mindset, because they've proven it to be true. But again, like, Lamar has superseded that with his talent and what he's done. Like, why why would you even want to be in that situation again? Why would you force yourself to even test that theory again? When you have a guy, you know. But again, I, I, I do think what it really comes down to, Jack, is... This, to me, feels like a conspiracy of ownership of all the owners. They do not like when players don't have their own agents. And again, we have our own thoughts on that. And I I think it's sort of, unless you have some sort of law degree or have had, you know, take courses on law in in college, I think it's silly. But some guys just want to do it. And they we've seen this time and time again. The owners and, and GMs will play hardball with guys for whatever reason, I, I don't know what the pay structure would be if agents are, you know, given a little bit off the top to this, or who who knows what the actual structure is. But that has been a constant since I can remember paying attention to free agency and extensions and things like that. They have the toughest time re-signing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it gets personal. You feel yep. Lamar is not making things easier by, by him speaking out. I understand he wants to have his own perspective out there. He wants to control the narrative. But has that but, really ever worked? 
But 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 again, though, we talked about this with Roquan. When you don't have your own agent, that's the only way to do that. But again, that only right. comes across as immature for you. When you go on social media, I understand you want to get your word out there, but you also have to understand that you look like a child now. Even though this may be the best avenue for you in the moment, because there's no other way for you to, to get that out there. You don't have like the official press release from Clutch Sports or from whoever, but it's just, it's not always the, the best look to do it that way. You know what I mean? So yeah, this, this whole saga is unfolding. Just I just, I wanted wild. to end like I am when I, I think when I was younger, I like ate up the, the drama aspect of sports. Sure. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me ask you a question. What do you want to end more? Do you want Lamar to sign somewhere or do you want Odell Beckham Jr. to sign with the Dallas Cowboys? I feel like, I, well, I, I feel like Odell has sort of, Died down, no, dude. I, Ian Rappaport still every fucking chance he gets. Yeah, I, I I get it, but it wasn't like last year. It was a thing, thing. Just in wait. the middle of the year, Just wait. He's coming back for the playoff. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I feel that like it's died down. I thought you were gonna ask ever. me about Aaron Rodgers. I thought you were gonna ask if I wanted that to end. Dude, he's still. I, I texted. I texted my Packers friend uh, earlier yesterday. Uh, yesterday, and I just literally said Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer. LOL. Like. It's fucking wild, man. I know. It's been weeks. It's been weeks, and there's been no just, traction on it. It's, I know. It's I, so strange. I think it's fucking hilarious that the Packers could end up not getting a first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers because, again, it goes back to what we had talked about last year. They should have fucking traded him. Right when that Russell Wilson trade happened, the Packers should have been like, Russell Wilson just went for this. Who, who wants Aaron Rodgers? Come get Aaron Rodgers coming off his MVP season. Yep. He's still got something to prove. Give give us but we four were, first-round picks. We were called every name in the book for just having an objective take. And we were right. I I, I just don't like I, I don't even understand how you would look at what we were saying last year from a logic standpoint and say like we were hating. Especially because it wasn't like, oh, we just wanted to get him out of our division. Like He's old. It's well, going to happen anyway, matter. and he still had owned us. Like it's not. That's not. That wasn't our angle. Like if you're just talking about what the what was best for the Packers organization, that's what it was. Because what did you get? Well, An eight win year or what, nine, whatever they want, and missed the playoffs. Like that. Yeah. That team has hit its peak already. You. You. It's time to to blow blow it up or at least retool. Well, and Packers fans have got to be going through it. You know, with uh, their head coach saying temper your expectations for Jordan Love and Andy Reid. Literally not remembering yeah, not the guy who, who yeah. started. A, Jesus, a, he started a game against them. He sure did. Jordan loved it, and he, and Andy Reid is like, I don't fucking care about that game. Yeah, <laughs> too busy Jesus worried Christ. about what I'm going to get to eat afterwards. That's incredible. All right, Jackie, are we uh, are we talking about these running backs? Let's get to it, Frank. Let's get to it. Let's uh, rank our our five running backs. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, Frank and I have the exact same <laughs> top five because. Uh, I really, this is a top-heavy running back class, man. It kind of feels like this has been the trend for a while. Uh, yeah. You get like one or two, and then maybe like a surprise guy or two. Um, you know, I think of guys like Rashad White and Damian Pierce, who I think performed a lot better. Um, but Frank, let's be realistic. A lot of these rankings could be determined by the draft and and where certain guys land. Um, you know, you think about the, the the Bengals being a possible destination, but there's still things that have to happen. Uh, Austin Eckler still needs to be moved. Um, if, if he does end up getting moved from the Chargers, 
you know, where he goes may change everything. Um, yeah. So there's still there's still plenty of time for movement to happen to occur. Uh, but right now, who are our? I'll just let you go through it. Our top five <laughs> running backs. I know we have them in a little different of an order, but a little bit different um, of an order. But I think the sentiment remains the same. Um, so the five in, in you know no order: Bijan Robinson, Zach Charbonnet, Jameer Gibbs, Tajay Spears, and Devin. Is it Achane? I thought it was Ashane. Ashane, okay. But you're I, I, right. I was Sean watching Ashenay. clips and people pronounce it were pronouncing it sort of differently as they went. Um, it's a cool last name. What can that I is our five. The the other one who I think has the potential to be in the mix in there was Zach Evans. Um, he was like my I six. I would have said I would have said Sean Tucker from uh, Syracuse would be my he would be my sixth, if you will. Yeah. I, uh, Tucker, I scouted him. There was one more that I did not write down. It was Evans, Tucker. Tank Bigsby? No, not Bigsby. I don't know who DeAndre the fuck it was. Miller now. from TCU? No. Okay. Was there was, was one more, and I, I'm blanking. I, I, I said the same thing last year. This is the thing. I, with like receivers and quarterbacks, it really doesn't matter what order that I watch. It can be sort of, you know, watching film, looking at other people's notes, and then sort of seeing if I see the same thing that they see or, or see things differently. With running backs, I have to start at the top. Of, like, guys who, like, Bijan has been renowned as the guy for months now. Watch him. Charbonnet and Gibbs were the other two that I kept seeing, two and three, so I watched them. Once I start to see that that drop-off of, like, okay, these look like every other running back, that's where I just stop. I'm like, I, it's going to look like this for everybody. Um, and, like... Zach Evans was to me when I started to see like everyone else felt the same <laughs> uh, that yeah. I was, you know, so, sort of going through. Um, full full disclosure, my number five at this point, because I, I may have ranked Zach Evans above Ashane, but I reserve my number five spot for my favorite scat back every single time. I did it with, uh, who was uh, who was the guy that the fucking, the Packers drafted in the seventh round a couple years ago? Um, oh, uh, Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill, love him. Small guy, scat back, get throw throw him in there. Uh, so that's why I, I had I had Ashane at number at number five for me. Um, quick notes on him, and I can toss it to you. Uh, I mean, he he reminded me a lot of like Chris Thompson, that type of mold. I can see him lining up in the slot, you know, causing um, you know, causing matchup problems with uh, with with with, with linebackers. Um, I don't ever think he's gonna be, you know. A bell cow number one type of dude but you think of like fantasy relevancy you can see him being like a jd mckissick type of dude um you know that type of that type of player uh in a pass happy offense you, you may, may have a flex guy for a couple years in a dynasty um but i yeah i i thought the, the biggest thing that's going to help keep him on the field if he wants to be more than that is going to like whew, i was watching some of his pass blocking <laughs> it's not good it yeah. was uh i it may, it may just be a size thing uh but yeah, he was, I also, like, these were also the five guys to me, Jack, and I, the, I should have put that in the disclaimer of, like, the, when you talk about, like, yeah, like, there are certain guys that just come in, I, the first thing that I, I note when I start to look at drop-off now, and this has been the last couple of years, last two years in particular, has been, like, explosiveness. These were the five most explosive guys to me that I I was, I, I was looking at, Um so they all have a level of explosion that I think that the other guys below that I would have, if I kept ranking, did not have. Um, and then you sort of rank them based on the other traits that they have. Obviously, you know, uh, Devin or Devon, he 
he didn't have the size he may not have the durability um but he he presents unique a unique skill set to to get him on the field somewhere pretty early on in his NFL career so I'm going to give you my my favorite prospect um, outside of the the main guys. Bijan, I mean, Bijan should be one of those guys who just steps right in. Is yeah. it's like oh, it's like essentially Saquon Barkley again. Um, maybe not Hall of Fame expectations right away, but like Bijan has been the guy people have been excited about for what three years now. Uh, so he should be very good. I think it's going to be more of a toss up between Gibbs and Charbonnet. Again, it'll depend on on landing spots. Um, but Frank. Tajay Spears, another two-lane guy. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Matt Forte. I'm just I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. He's kind of like the, the receiver that you'd expect. You'd hope he'd be. <clears throat> There's a certain team in Chicago that needs a pass-catching running back. I think that'd be a nice little option for him right there. Uh, I, I just – I love Tajay Spears. I think he's going to be given situation – I think he's going to be in a very good spot um, to a uh, very good potential to be a very good running back in this league. Kind of what I was talking about a little bit earlier. It's really going to come down to landing spots. Um, you know, they're the NFL.com. They ranked teams that needed immediate help before free agency. Some of it's changed a little bit. Some of it not. Um, you know, the Broncos are a team I could see maybe drafting a running back. Uh, who knows what Javante Williams will look like. Uh, the Dolphins, I would be absolutely shocked if the Dolphins don't draft one of these guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, kind of right out of the Shanahan playbook. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers drafted one of these guys uh, at some point as well. Um, but Frank, I, I really do think the Bears, we could see one of these guys going to Chicago because as much as fans loved uh, Herbert last year, especially when David Montgomery was out, we kind of saw what happened when there was another running back in town. They really couldn't use two running backs. It's something you talked about last week when we talked about David Montgomery signing with the Lions. Khalil Herbert isn't a sure thing. It's not guaranteed that he's going to be their bell cow, especially with the signing of Dante Foreman, something else we talked about last week. I really think the Bears might draft one in the in the first three rounds, depending on scheme fit, depending on what style of running back they're really looking for. Again, Khalil Herbert and, and Donta Foreman are probably more similar than those two are probably more similar than David Montgomery is. So if you're trying to replace David Montgomery, you're going to want some sort of pass catching back. Maybe that is Tajay Spears or Ashane. You know, maybe it's one of those two guys. Yeah, no, I think they're going to be in the market for someone who's a little bit more explosive than those guys are. Um Speaking of, I, I guess we're just sort of all over the place, which is fine because we have the same five. The guy who actually reminded <laughs> me of Khalil Herbert, who I don't know if the Bears would be in on, was Charbonnet. He didn't. He had. He had. He was more explosive. But what what reminded me of him is he's like a downhill guy. He's a one cut vision type of dude. Hit the hole and just a very very tough runner. I think the two that fit more of what the Bears would want if they wanted a contrast to Foreman and Herbert. Um, would be, well, I, I guess three really, would be Gibbs, Spears, and Ashane. Because they all presented, like, Gibbs reminded me a little bit more of, like, Brees Hall. Like, not for nothing. I thought, it's just in terms of explosion, I thought he was the most explosive guy of them. I think Bijan just brought more to the table in terms of all around, um, you know, running back. Um, but 
I could 100% see the Bears falling in love with Tajay Spears. 100. I mean, he, the guy that I thought he reminded me of was Isaiah Pacheco. Remember last year when I, when, uh, I, it was like a Thursday night game or some shit. Me and you were just ch uh, texting and I was like, dude, Pacheco just like, he plays football like a little flea. It's just like, you can't get, he's just like such a <laughs> tough runner, quick, like jittery. Like, I mean, he, it was almost like, um, Tariq Cohen, but he ran forward instead of side to side all the time. But it was just like this little, like jitterbug. Like I, I can't even like, it was just like, you, just this little ball of energy, like always running hard, just always like very twitchy, very, but at the same time, not like I'm, I'm breaking one tackle at the one yard line or, 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 or at the line of scrimmage to gain one yard. It was like, I, I can't even, I, I'm not able to articulate, but like Spears had that same type of like explosiveness to him, that same type of twitchiness to him, that same type of like, just like grit almost. That's the word I'm looking for. He's just like a gritty runner, like clearly not tough the most runner. talented. Yeah, like tough, yeah. not the most talented in terms of physicality, but like it takes a certain type of dog in you to to, to run that way. And, and like Spears, I can see him if he's there in the third or fourth, I think he'd be a perfect candidate for that Bears running back room. You know what number he wore at Tulane, Frank? I don't. Well, I'm twenty-two. I've, he did you wear know, twenty-two. Wore twenty-two right. in Chicago. Matt Forte. Matt Forte. I'm just you're saying, right. Got the Tulane connection. Saying, you're right. Both, no, you're what, right. What would you call them? Green Green Waves. They're both Green Waves. That's what Tulane is. The Green Wave. Yeah. It's an incredible nickname. Uh, no, I mean, like, let, here's the thing. When it comes to dynasty as well, I think at a certain point you're kind of just throwing things at the dartboard. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I think a lot of these guys will probably go in the second round. Uh, Bijan, I would expect most drafts will probably take him in the top four, top four, if not top three. Um, if you're in a super flex, Frank, let me ask you this. If you're in a super flex, given what we talked about with the quarterbacks uh -huh. last week, what we taught, what you've seen from Bijan watching his highlight tape, watching just tape in general of Bijan, would you consider taking B. John Robinson at one one? Granted, let, let's just say you know nothing about the team. You, you're right. just you're you're building from start. You know you need quarterbacks, but you also need running backs. Go from there. I I would. I mean, I I took I took Brees last year one one in a league. Um, I, to, to me, it, it's a little overrated to just prioritize quarterback just because they're a quarterback. You have to you have to really think that they can that they can do it. Like, I you know I was screaming from the rooftops that Zach Wilson sucked since I scouted him and people were still taking him one, two, one, three, because they're like, well, he's the number two pick. Like that doesn't matter. It, you, you have to like know what you're looking for. Like, and with, with running backs, the elite of the elite guys to me, supersede position, you know, and supersede landing spot. But my, my overall philosophy is I stack up as many second round picks as I can. And that's where I pick all of my running backs. And I just hold them for four years and see if they can be anything. Because the thing is, Running back is such a, um, I don't know what's the right, saturate, I don't know if saturate is the right word, but it, it's such a unique position because it's very clear that like the elite of the elite guys will still bring you a haul. We've seen Christian McCaffrey get traded last year in, in Dynasty Lakes and he's going for a haul. You know, Brees Hall I've seen go for a good amount. But, you know, you can get serviceable guys like Khalil Herbert, you can get serviceable guys like Miles Sanders, like, that can you could win you can build around not around but like you can build with them on your team and win win a fantasy championship. So like, I guess what I'm saying is I've had an easier time trading for quarterbacks 
than I have for running backs. So if I can hit on any of these seconds and package them to eventually get a young guy that you like in a year or two down the road, I would much rather take that route. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, I, I, I hate to keep saying it, but I mean, it's it's really true. Like, it, I think it really depends where Bijan ends up. Like, if he ends up in Philadelphia, I mean, that's a very, very interesting landing spot for him because you think of that offensive line of the quarterback play that they have there, how they'd be utilized in that offense. I think that would be a really good fit. But if he ends up on the Broncos, you know, like I'm not saying that's going to happen, but just using them as an example. And he's like with Javante Williams there as well. I mean, that, that kind of, I would say takes him down a little bit, right? I think it's really going to matter where these guys end up. It, for for the most part, yes, because it's going to mean it's it, it has more to do with reps. Because again, we've seen, you know, a, anyone put up a hundred yards when you know a, a, everybody's down, and they just they're the fourth running back Fucking on. Dante Foreman almost put up a thousand yards rushing. Once. That's that's what I mean. And and again, it's not to knock running backs. I just think the floor on them is very high, generally speaking. Like it's more about like are they having good practices and are they impressing coaching staffs and things like that because I mean the 49ers churn through running backs and they all look phenomenal in that system like it just is what it is Bijan is the guy though wherever he goes he's going to be the guy like it's it just I, I don't I don't see because he's not going to get drafted to like the Giants where he's competing against Saquon like they're they're out on on a high level running back you know they may get one in the fifth or sixth or whatever for depth but like wherever he goes He's better than Javante Williams. Like he he he's better than I mean, even if the Bears were to I, I don't want this to happen, but if we were to take him at nine, he's better than what we have right now. Um, it just is what it is. Like you you put him on a team that's doing running back by committee, he's the lead dog now. Even if they stick with the committee. But I, I look at it like the same way that like when he, uh, when Travis ATN went to the the Jaguars and everyone's like, Well, James Robinson, I was like, look, I James Robinson is phenomenal for what he was. He is not explosive. He's not ETN. Like it's it's that's ETN's job to lose. Granted, he got hurt that year and things happen, but here here's where here's where Bijan is gonna end up. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three options. All okay. right. You're gonna All like right. every single one of them. All right. Number one, he's gonna replace Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Ooh. In the first round, because you know that team loves their running backs. They love that style of football. I, I think that would be an interesting fit for them. They don't he really kinda, have a You know what? Of... Now that you say that, though, one, one of the things when I, 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 the kid in me comes out when I'm scouting and I think of like what player do you remind me of when I was growing up? And I had, um, I had, uh, fucking, what, 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 what is his name from back in the, Eddie George. I had Eddie George on my list. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that. Okay. Uh, the other team I had was the Bills. You know, he could be like one of those late round running back picks that falls. I don't a want bit. him Maybe to go there, up. though. They I'm can't saying, fucking use I'm running saying. backs to save their lives. And then, obviously, the other option could be the Chargers. If they if they end up do trading that, Austin Eckler, yeah. their their depth chart doesn't exactly uh, inspire any confidence with just, what is it, Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller back there. Larry Roundtree just Isaiah doesn't get Spiller. the job done for you, huh? I liked Isaiah Spiller last year. I drafted him in the second round, and uh, I drafted him that, like that one sort of six somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. That's, it was bad. 
Yeah, that's yeah, but that that's that's the risk you take when you go with a running back, unless they're a surefire thing. Like, yeah, you know, you'd expect Bijan to possibly be, but that that's why I imagine that's why I envision him going to. I envision him being a Tennessee Titan because you know they they, they don't give it. a fuck about other positions. They don't. Give, they give do you shit. think? Do you think Derrick Henry is going to be a draft day trade? Who I I'm I'm, I'm like I I think it depends on where Austin Eckler lands. Like I don't, if, think, if, I'm a, I don't think he's going anywhere. You think he'll stay? I think he's going to stay. They're going to hash him. Now they're going to give him a little bit more money. Man, that team is just not... It's, <laughs> How do you have that much uh, talent and you're that fucking boring still? We, we should be championing the Chargers the way that we look at the Bengals and maybe not the Chiefs. They're like a, a head above everyone else, but like the Bills, they should be that fun mold, but like everything with them is a struggle. I don't understand that. It's so weird to me. It's a great question. Because uh, you got like, because you have highlight players, right? You got, you got Herbert, you got Austin Eckler, you have fucking Mike Williams, Mike who Williams, when he yeah. plays, Keenan is Allen. just an insane highlight reel. But it's just like every game you watch, you're like, man, what the, f-? I guess, I guess the simple answer is it comes down to coaching. Yeah, I guess I mean, so. Just, I think it might be as simple as that, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Bear With Us podcast. Um, you know, like I said, next week, if any, unless something big happens, we'll we'll go over our wide receivers and tight ends. Um, talk about some options that the Bears may take because you know, granted, I I I, well, I like love I should say love the DJ Moore trade. I really like where their depth chart is at currently for the Bears. I still think they can add both in the wide receiver group and the tight end room because. Cole Komet's contract is his, his payday is coming up. Do they want to make that commitment to him or do they want to go with yeah. their own guy? I think there's a potential they draft their own tight end as well. They could. I see. I, I think you feel stronger about adding a receiver than, than I do. And I think I well, do. we can talk about that next week. Yeah, I do. I do. I feel, I feel very strong. And, uh, I, I think you're fucking stupid for, for disagreeing with me. Um, but I know our listeners don't disagree with me at all. And they'll tell you in the comments, but uh, we appreciate you guys listening as always. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, tell Frank what a fucking jackass he is for, <laughs> for disagreeing with me. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody.